Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to Jesse Leach of Killswitch Engage and you are in for a treat. I was lucky enough to sit down uh, a week before recording this and and have Jesse and his podcast co-host Matt Stocks on my Hardcore Listing Podcast and... As obviously, I, I, I know Matt, and he's been a previous guest on, on this podcast, but I'd never met Jesse, and instantly, he's just got a, just an incredible way about him that's very, very infectious and interesting and, and, and very, very likable, and you're about to get um, access to that, um, because we have another wonderful chat today, um, talking about records and talking about, uh, you know, Jesse's life to date, and... And yeah, it's 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 really nice. We we talk about his new podcast uh, with Matt Stocks um, at, at the beginning, and we also uh, really sort of break it down uh, towards the end of the podcast as well. And obviously, we talk about some great records. Um, a few thank yous before um, we, uh, we we get on with this chat. Um, thanks to Matt um, for, for facilitating that and introducing uh, me to Jesse. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip. Uh, and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then uh, once you finish listening to my chat with with Jesse, go and explore the, the back catalogue because there's 250 episodes available now. You can hear me speaking to, to Matt Stocks, as mentioned. You can hear me talking to Deftones, Mastodon, Public Enemy, uh, Motley Crue... Gosh, Fat Boy Slim, uh, Foo Fighters. So, so, so go and have a, a rummage in the archives, and you'll get access to, to so many great chats um, that are all available for free. Uh, and if you'd like to support the podcast, there's a Patreon uh, where you can go over there and get access to video episodes, radio shows, and bespoke episodes and such. Um, and that's on patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track. If you can't remember that, there's a one stop shop for all of this. And it's www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Okay, I know why you're here. Let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Jesse Leach. It's Off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Right, we are recording and joining me today via the means of Zoom, Jesse Leach. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, You man? good? Yeah, I'm good, man. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, well, we have met before. We met at the, at the well, about three nights ago. You come on the, the Hardcore Listing podcast uh, with time. your... With your co-host, Matt Stocks, uh, also yeah. former guest. So uh, we'll talk about the podcast, I'm sure, uh, as this podcast unfolds. Um, before we we talk your playlist and, and the records that you've chosen, Jesse, just want to kind of cast our, uh, our thoughts back over the last year. And I just wonder how you found the, the, you know, the last year, how you found it both personally uh and as a creative yeah uh it's honestly bittersweet you know i'm one of those people that is just unabashedly trying to find the silver lining you know and uh this this year definitely took the wind out of my sails for a little while there 
you know, I went into this whole thing thinking, you know, flash in the pan, we'll be back on the road. My band will be fine. Career's fine. This is just, these things have happened before. But, you know, obviously it became this much, much bigger thing. So long story short, I just had to sort of reinvent the way I think about everything. And it's been some of the biggest growth I've had in my life. Honestly, it's been a challenge um, and it hasn't been easy. But now that I am where I am right now, I, I regret none of it. I think that, you know, people's tragedy aside, I'm talking strictly my my life. Of course, of course. What went on with me, not to dismiss the crazy stuff that happened, but with with me, it, you know, I'm in a better spot than I've ever been to sort of manage my own stress. And I do have an uh, unabashedly positive mental attitude. And I think it's because I shifted and, and I see myself differently than I did even six months ago, never mind a year. So I think it's part of that adaptability we can do as humans, you know, that the sheer power we have to just to sort of, you know, lace our boots up and keep stepping forward. And, you know, between the podcast, which you mentioned, Stoke the Fire, which has given me a lot of new energy and like a new idea of who I could be, my identity as we move forward, regardless of being, you know, the a touring musician, which is still very much a part of my life. Um, and, you know, little moments of just being still at home having a cup of tea with my cats and looking out the window and being still and watching the seasons change, like little things like that. I've been cherishing. And you talk to any touring musician, we all miss it, but nine times out of 10, you're going to hear, wow, it was nice to have a little bit of a break, regardless of all the crazy stuff that went down to sit still and be still. It's a luxury for a traveling musician. And I've done my best to bask in that and, you know, spread my wings a little bit and to, try other things out so it's been yeah interesting for sure well i guess one of the the the, the constants throughout the the last year that it's always you know a, a very comfortable pillow to, to to rest your head on is music and it's a constant Amen. uh certainly certainly for myself and and i'm going to ask you to kick off your playlist uh today jesse i'm going to ask you for the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So I'm I'm going to admit to you right now. I did not pull up my um, <laughs> my list. Well, what I've I got your list, but when you done the podcast the other day on Hard Credit, you changed all yours last minute anyway. I so did. I just thought, am I going to just get this list ready and Jesse's going to change them all anyway? But uh, I have got. Your I'd list. love to stick to what I wrote you because my brain is. I am one of those people, like you said, I change all the time. And okay. the, the particular mood that I was in when I gave you my list, I'm curious now what I can say. <laughs> um, I could, I could through, switch it up, though. I could. I really could. But no, go, please. <laughs> you went for neurosis. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, through Silver and Blood. Okay, yes. Epic, epic, epic. That's the only word I could really use. That that band transformed me as a teenager and that record in particular transformed me. Cause that's when I first, first, first started to experiment with psychedelics. And I remember being in my bedroom, headphones on alone in the dark, levitating off of my bed, hearing this for the first time. Cause it was my plan. I was such a neurosis fan. I was like, I'm going to do this acid alone and I'm going to listen to this new record that just came out because I'm such a fan. And I remember looking at the cover of the cassette tape, you know, with the eyes. It's just this epic looking thing and putting that on. And I don't know how I stayed sane through that night. I went out and walked in, in the snow and just I saw the world through different eyes after that night. And I realized how powerful that band was. And then, you know, coming off the drugs and listening to it and becoming like a massive fan that's one of the most epic intros ever. If you put that on, I don't care who you are as a human being. You're you're going to get slightly anxious and anticipate what's going to happen. Then when the song finally breaks into, it's this drop of relief and then just this massive wall of sound that Neurosis are. Yeah, I you can't compare them to anybody. That band is just, they're a, a religious force on their own. And uh, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know Neurosis, you could start with their new stuff and you're going to get a completely different band than if you went to when they started. They started as like a, like a punk band and turned into this dark, 
psychedelic Tom Waits kind of thing. And in between that was just vicious, you know, metal, hardcore punks, psychedelic tribal. They've done it all. And they're, they're an artistic force with music. So, yeah. Well, I find that this is generally the, the, the song choice that most musicians struggle the hardest with to pick this one. Uh, and so with that in mind, I just wondered, uh, Jesse, if there was any sort of honorable mentions that, you know, almost made the cut. Well, as soon as we started talking, you said that the first thing that popped in my head, because I've been listening to them a lot lately, which I'm sure they're on the list somewhere else, uh, The Cure, uh, Disintegration, the intro to that song, just beautiful. Like, I picture myself skateboarding as a teenager with my broken little black heart and hearing that (laughs) come on my, uh, you know, my CD Walkman. And that one song always made me just get teary-eyed just the beautiful sound because the cure you know is is kind of a sad band but that song has a joy to it it's a weird sort of sonic joy where it's to me that song captures perfect melancholy it's sad but it's got this romanticism about it just the music you don't have to take robert smith's voice out of the equation i'm talking even just the music when that song kicks on yeah it, it hits me right in the feels every time i've got plenty to say about the cure and uh, especially the, the the weight of that that album as well. Um, really? Let's let, let's let's pick up on that when you when you throw that in your list. I'm sure I um, do. <laughs> but I'm going to uh, let, let's keep it in the formative years, and I'm going to take you back now, uh, Jesse, for uh, song two, which is the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Can you remember that one? That would be Phil Collins. Um, what's the name of that song? You know I love you, but I just can't. Take this, you know. In too deep. Yeah. But I'm playing for keeps. I remember uh, my little mini mullet 80s kid self sitting in the back of my, uh, my aunt's car. I even remember the outfit I had on. I, it was this moved me to tears. And I think I was seven or eight years old. And my aunt looking back in the car as I'm sort of singing along with tears in my eyes. And she's like, you're a deep little man. How are you even relating to this song? What is going on? And I just, I don't know. There was something about it. And shortly thereafter, I, you know, I got the cassette single and my little Walkman and I used to play it constantly. That song, just something about it at a young age, I was connected to it. I don't know if it's because of like a past life or something like, you know, people always said that I had an old soul and I don't know what that means or if, you know, how that even connects to, my life and my existence, but it's true. Um, I've always loved sad songs. And to me, that's that song just hit me right in the feels as a kid. And I don't know why. What was the emotion? Sadness. But, you know, I've always associated sadness, you know, going back to that word melancholy. It's one of my favorite words. And I think music tends to do that because you got to think when someone writes a sad song, there's a reason for it. And it's almost therapeutic, right? So, having a sort of musical therapy is you're sitting with your emotion, but there's hope somewhere that you're going to get through this. Cause this person that wrote the song got through it somehow. And they're telling you about their story. You know, even at that young age, I wasn't interested in girls or relationships or whatever, but I had a deep sense of something in that song, that sadness. And I think I've always been connected to sadness for some reason or another. And you know, I couldn't tell you why, Maybe a psychologist could tell you why, but uh, it's something that stayed with me. And to this day, I love that type of music. And, and, I and, don't... So, and so if you wake up, Jesse, and you're feeling low, you're having a blue day, like, are you somebody that thinks, right, sling on some Blink-182, let's just, let's just have some, <laughs> you know, let's just pick myself up with some, just some jaunty thing that I haven't really got to think about. Or are you like, right, where's disintegration? You know, and and do you are you somebody that is quite happy to, you know, immerse yourself in that emotion, process it, listen through it, you know, and put the you know records on that 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 soundtrack melancholy, you know, or are you? Oh, no, I need to pull myself out of this. I need to go and put something really kind of poppy and uplifting and almost, you know, for want of a better word, disposable on, just that you haven't got to get drawn into the kind of emotion of it. Yeah, I. Uh... I really don't, I have to be honest with you, I really don't listen to a lot of music that isn't deep on some level. Uh, and it could be, you know, a lighter 
deep or a darker deep. It depends. I mean, roll the dice. I don't know how I'm going to be when I get up. I, I try to start my day every day lately with, you know, gratitude, intentions, prayers. You know, I'm sort of meditative on that. So my first thought always before I pick up my phone, before I do anything, is to sit with gratitude. And I see that that tends to help me. But, you know, it has a big um, um, effect on me is the weather. If I open those windows and I see sunshine, I'm usually going to lean right in towards like, ooh, let's put something fun on or let's put some reggae music on or you know, something to get, usually reggae. Reggae is kind of my go-to, like old school roots, 70s reggae, uh, you know, Gregory uh, Isaacs, uh, P, you know, early Peter Tosh, the Wailers, uh, Israel Vibration. I love reggae music. So if I'm in a good mood and the sun's shining, I'm like, all right, let's get shit done. It's usually roots reggae music. If it's rainy out or if it's moody out, yeah, I might do some classical piano or, you know, throw on some uh some good old like shoegazy kind of stuff you know slow dive is a big one for me lately that that newest record um so it's kind of a roll of the dice it all really depends but the weather does have something to do with that because where i live it's you know the woods the forest so if it's nice out i'm going outside if it's dark and rainy i'm like ooh, i'm gonna brood and, and try to write some music on my piano or whatever so yeah, it kind of goes everywhere dude i'm interested when you said shoegaze then because um Shoegaze is, is 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 big for me, and it was it, it kind of happened in the UK at, at, at the right age for me. It kind of dropped when I was eighteen in the UK, and it was like, oh wow, this is this is special. And and I got to speak to um, Andy Bell of of the band Ride, uh, and, and and later oh, Oasis, yeah. and uh, and and I was chatting to to him, and he was saying that they'd do signings in the states for Oasis. But he said, I would just get loads of kids just coming up going, can you sign my ride album? And he said that, that shoegaze, it, it almost kind of become a little bit of a, a joke in the UK, which for, I have no idea why. But in America, it felt like they really got shoegaze. And was, was that something that like kind of made a dent with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything dreamy. Uh, when someone, I mean, to me, like, and you could argue whether or not this is quote-unquote shoegaze, but the Cocteau Twins were my gateway drug into sort of the, the dreamy, spacey, dream pop, whatever you want to call it, the fairy music that they made to me, which is lush and gorgeous. Funny, I said lush. And then shortly thereafter was lush. My my friend's older sister was into lush. She was one of those like Doc Martin wearing black you know hair uh, alternative girls in the 90s, um, just like super hip, super cool. And her brother was like one of my best friends and I thought he was cool. So she was our, she would feed us this stuff. So it was lush Cocteau twins. Um, yeah. Ride was definitely in there. Um, what's the other thing that really captured my, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, to me, it always felt artistic. It wasn't silly, you know, like I know, but you guys, people in the UK love to take the piss out of anything artistic. It's, there's always a joke in there, which I love. I love, love, love. But yeah, I think, you know, you export that music over to the States and it was very well respected. In my circle of friends, we, we bowed down at the altar of those guys who would put, you know, effects on their guitars, like Sonic Youth and not shoegazy, but just the effects and using the instrument as something more than just a, a guitar, you know, adding effects to it. Anything that was sort of like with flanger or chorus and delay, like that kind of stuff just always turned me on because the dreamy element of it, the floating sound of it with the pulsating bass and then the lazy almost, you know, you can just see them standing there with their hair in their face, like half interested in what they're saying. I always, thought that, I always thought that was the coolest thing. Like, that's cool, you know? I totally agree. I totally agree. And, like, and it, you know, I think over time now, you know, the music press and, and, and people have realized that some incredible records come out of that scene. Oh, My Bloody know? Valentine is the band. Yeah. Loveless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my God. That was you the know, one that... we are all in awe of My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. I just got chills. <laughs> so good. Okay, well let's um, let's keep it in the formative years for track three, Jesse. I'm going to ask you uh, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Oh, so many. What did I tell you? <laughs> let's have a look. Let's have a look. Ah, oh, nice. You got your hip hop. You got your hip hop on. Okay, good, good, good. Did I? Uh, far side. Oh yeah. Okay, nostalgia right there. Nostalgia. Every single time I hear um, the Far Side, the Bizarre Ride record, like, and I want to say it was probably what. Um, 
Uh, what the hell is that song? When I was a kid, I used to sport a sag. Oh, what the hell's the name of that song? What song did I tell pa- you? Passing me by. Passing me by. <laughs> passing me by. Yeah. Um, I mean, the lyrics to that, it's so junior high. It's so high school. It's so like that age of like you are awkward and you're in love with someone. You don't know how to express that feeling. And that record is genius. That record is absolutely genius because you look at hip hop as a whole, that whole record felt like a cartoon. It felt like when you put it on, especially if you were smoking some weed and just put that thing on, it felt like you were listening to a comedy, like a movie. And every single song is brilliant. And the melody that they use, it almost is reminiscent of like 40s jazz, like the with the megaphone and I'm da-da-da-da-da. They had like a very interesting take on what they did with hip-hop. And the rhymes were great. The production was incredible. It just transported you into this, you know, to me, I just see 40s and blunts and skateboards. And, you know, um, that time of when it came out was very much who I was embedded in hardcore and punk and also had a foot in the rave scene and skateboarding and baggy clothes and girls with the candy necklaces on. Like it was just, it captured this time that, you know, I look back on with such fond memories because it was so innocent for me. It was when I was figuring out who I was and being a punk rocker and a hardcore kid and also loving hip hop. And then having this record come out that wasn't angry. It wasn't political. It was taking a break from all the heavy shit that I was really into you know, I was in a band at that time already, like screaming my guts out, you know, every, every weekend at the club. And during the week, I'd go to house parties and drink 40s and smoke blunts with my friends. And that was the soundtrack. We'd be in the car on the way to the party. We'd get to the party. You would hear something from Farside. But that song in particular, you know, if I were to go to a high school reunion now and you had a room full of us, doesn't matter where you came from. You could have been a, a freak, a nerd, a, you know doesn't matter. You put that song on, majority of the people are going to know the lyrics to it in my high school because that's how much that record was like at everybody's party. Yeah, I love that record. It's incredible. So just talking about school, uh, was it something you enjoyed? You know, I <laughs> I did because I was pretty much fucked up on drugs the whole time and I had a lot of fun. It was before, you know, there wasn't, you know, I definitely hit a dark place when after right after high school with me and my friends, like the party should have been over and you should have carried on with your life and figured out what you're going to do. But me and my friends were still going hard on the drugs and it got dark. But during high school, it, there was none of that. There was, a, there was an innocence to it. We did it for fun. We weren't doing it to escape reality, at least most of my friends, you know, and I came from a fairly decent home, so I really wasn't numbing anything. I was just having fun. Um, and I did okay. I didn't really apply myself and I did okay. So my parents didn't really complain. So I, yeah, you know, at first it was tough because I was considered a freak. I was kind of an outcast, but then I found my tribe. And once you find your tribe, you know, it was only a handful of people, but we were close. We were knit and we, we, we had that like sort of strength in numbers thing where the word freak or like whatever became a term of endearment to me. It's like, yeah, I am a freak. because so I'm not fucking like you. And then when you get into the music scene, you start going to clubs and you, you know, you're in a band, which I was in high school. I was flyering for my shows in the walls of the high school. And I found these older kids, these other kids that were out of my school that I would hang out with. So even when I walked the halls in high school, I was like, fuck all you people. I'm going to the club later to hang out with my band. Like you can't fucking touch me. So I had very much a, a transitional, like it was intimidating at first. I found who I was. I found my tribe and I just started partying and having fun. And to me, high school is just one big blur. I don't really remember much of it. I remember doing my midterm exams, tripping my face off. And, you know, I got A's and B's for the most part. <laughs> so I did okay, man. And art class, I fucking, I do. They had my, uh, they had, they had my artwork on display as you walked into the high school. Like art was my thing, especially tripping, dude. I used to make some great stuff. So yeah, it's all, I don't really have much bad memories from that time. Besides getting my heart broken a ton, but who didn't, you know? You said you was in a band at, at high school. Did you Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? No idea. No. I just knew was, that. Was a musician an option? Was it something no. you thought, I could do this and it could be a job? It could be a potential no. career? Never, never, never. Um, because, you know, the bands that I was seeing, the bands I was hanging out with, 
you're playing in front of your friends and some other people. You know, it didn't get to the point where I was seeing substantial money till after high school. And the music I was into was like, you know, punk rock, power, violence, grindcore, you know, D-beat shit. Like, I'd go to warehouse spaces with the crust punks, and I'd go to hardcore shows with uh, the hardcore kids. I'd go to the goth shows. I went to all these shows, but they're all niche little things, and really no big bands, you know? I, I didn't ever see, like... I thought to me, like, look, I'll play shows on the weekends, we'll travel around the Northeast, and I'll work at the pizza parlor till I figure my life out. That was kind of as far as I had gotten in my thinking, and I was okay with that. I was having such a good time. And to me, it was just music was everything. And I never thought I'd make a living off it. But I, I thought, hey, let me just ride this out until I have to stop and eventually go to college and get my life together. That was kind of what I was thinking. And that never happened. Thank God. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, for track four, uh, I'm going to ask you, Jesse, the first song you remember buying from a record store. That would have been Genesis, I believe. Is that what I said? Uh, what did you go for? Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, Give me the other one. You've, you, you, you've gone uh, the three coolest men on the planet. Uh, you went for uh, uh, Ad Rock MCA. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that was before. Yes, yes, that was before. Um, so before I purchased – so Genesis was after that. That's funny. And I remember the Genesis tape I bought, I didn't like it. <laughs> Side note. Um, my friend had, so I grew up in a very religious home up into a certain age. Uh, my father was uh, studying to be a minister and, you know, strict sort of, um, conservative Christian home. So, you know, anything that was swear words or a message that, you know, was counterproductive to the religious uh, regime, uh, was very frowned upon. So to me, when my friend showed me the Beastie Boys, it was like, oh, man. And these guys, like, bring, like, inflatable dildos on stage. Like, this is when they were still, like, the party band, you know? And I remember they, you know, and that record had been out, but I just never had access to it. I knew Fight for Your Right to Party. But, you know, when I heard Brass Monkey, when I had these other songs that were just like, this is so cool. And they're, like, weird white dudes doing hip-hop. It just felt so odd to me because I just didn't know that music. It was a, a big no-no. So yeah, I uh, I saved my allowance and snuck that. I bought that tape and always kept it on me. It was either in my my book bag or under my bed, so my parents wouldn't find it. But Beastie Boys were a huge gateway for me to, you know, hip hop, but also punk rock too. You know, because yeah, there was just something about it, man. I, yeah, I can't explain it. It was magical to be a kid and to hear the Beastie Boys for the first time, and it just caught my ear, and I was like, I need this. This is the holy grail of everything I'm not supposed to have. <laughs> we spoke on the Hardcore Listing podcast um, the, the other day, and, and you and, and Matt counted down top five um, punk bands. Uh, and for me, like we, we spoke about the furore in the UK, you know, with headlines about the Pistols being the filth and the fury and things like this. For me, uh, probably 13, I was seeing headlines 
about the Beastie Boys. Front page on UK newspaper saying we do not want these fucking pieces of shit in our country. We do not want them coming over here, you know, doing what they're doing. And if you're a 13 year old kid, that kind of headline is making you think, I want to see this band more oh, than yeah. anything, man. It's like, and you'd see the videos and they were just, you know, party boys. And, but, and, and as, you know, it's, it's crazy when you hear songs like Girls Now because it's so out of context to yeah. the whole kind of mindset of the Beastie Boys that then followed, you know, and, 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 and completely. Yeah, the, the Namaste, Save Tibet, you know. Yeah. Uh, Married to uh, a riot girl, Beastie Boys. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there you go. You know, marrying Kathleen Hanna is crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, for, for young kids that were angry and just wanted something raucous and we was getting whatever kind of early mutterings of hip-hop that were, were over here, we was getting a bit of that and then we was getting big, angry guitars and and just comedy as well. They were just yeah. spitting these these you know, almost, you know, you said about Far Side and being like almost cartoon-esque. Beastie Boys 100%. felt like it could have just been a cartoon, that, that yeah, album. Even their, you know what I mean? Yeah, the voices too, like the difference in all their voices. Yeah. The way they use distortion on certain things. Yeah, Pioneers, like a motherfucker. I mean, those guys and then the team behind them, obviously. Uh, the Dust Brothers, and then you look at the album after that. I mean, Paul's Boutique, whoa. What? Yeah. Yeah. The legacy of that band is untouchable. And then in the same breath, you know, that was that tape. And then my friend got me into NWA. And I remember just being scared, like, whoa, these guys are going to kill somebody like that. It was a whole <laughs> other thing, you know, hearing straight out of Compton and just being blown away. So that early 80s, you know, into the 90s hip hop was right along with punk rock for me. I loved them both. You know, I didn't talk about the hip hop as much because I was a punk. But yeah. Yeah, you know, you know how it is when you're a kid. You had so many elitist friends. You have to be punk. This is punk. But I was totally listening to hip-hop at the same time, too. But, but you say that about Strata Compton. It's like, you know, some of them Beastie Boys records sound hard. You know, Public Enemy had put out some hard oh, yeah. fucking records yeah. by then. But when you heard Strata Compton and you heard them horns, just that fucking, oh, it was like, what the fuck? Fuck yeah, and then catching visu visuals of them with the guns and like I'd never seen shit like that. And again, yeah. the, the the how I grew up, I didn't even have access to MTV unless I went to a friend's house. So I remember catching a little bit of a visual of those guys, and I was like, "What? That's and wearing all black with the Raiders cap." I mean, that whole thing was just genius, genius stuff. Yeah. I wish there was something now that had as much substance to it that pissed people off, but none of that's happening. No one's trying to piss anyone off. <laughs> There's no substance to anything in the mainstream. It's all just fucking weird. <laughs> I'm sure something, when you least expect it, will just kind of, yeah, rear its head and shake yeah, I'm just up, looking for I'm looking for artistic merit with a shock value. It just doesn't seem to exist anymore. I don't know. We'll see. You never know, right? Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Okay, so uh, for track five, I'm going to take you clubbing. And, uh, and this can be rock clubs, metal clubs, punk clubs, anything. You know, this hasn't necessarily got to be big chrome-laden rave venues, you know. Um, for track five, Jesse, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Uh, was it Blue Moon by The Orb? Is that what I said? It was. Yeah. It was. That song, to this day, makes me super happy. Um, I first heard it in my bedroom coming off a night of uh, partying. 
still pretty high on, uh, I think I had smoked some angel dust and I did a lot of crazy shit when I was a kid, but, uh, they had this radio station where I lived in Rhode Island. It was a college radio station. Providence college was the name of the, um, college. And it was like from like one o'clock to four o'clock, they had a DJ that would come in and play deep house and, um, you know, the early moanings of trance music and just electronic psychedelia, just shit that I, I had never really been exposed to. You know, I'd always heard about the rave scene. I, when rave was starting to become popular, I would see the kids wearing, you know, like the, the candy necklaces and I was aware of it, but I was just like, eh, I'd hear the beat. and like, this is not my thing. And I remember coming home that night. I couldn't sleep. I was still wired up from whatever I was doing and putting headphones on and hearing that song that, Oh, 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 Oh. And like the way that the orb produces their music to me, I, I would say out of anything I have in my music collection or anything I've ever listened to, people might be surprised to know that the orb is probably my all time favorite of anything I've ever, whatever genre. I love the orb. I think they're absolutely genius. And why that is, you can just listen to that song. You hear textures and the layers that they use the soundscape that they use and they're able to like create these texture like these beautiful lush textures and they all just sit where they're supposed to sit and if you listen to on my headphones which is how i first heard that song there are parts that swirl around your head they were way ahead of anybody with what they were doing sonically so you legitimately could listen to that sober and feel like you were on something they, they just have this thing about them and that led me to getting the um, uh, the record that that they redid it on. What the hell was that record? The, I think it was the first full length, uh, not UF Orb. What the hell was it? But they started off that record, whatever it was, with just this, and like your brain just goes into this other realm. And from that, that was a ride. That was the first Sonic Adventure I ever went on. Was from the Orb. Uh, and to this day that they're my most listened to thing out of anything. I think they're absolutely genius. And I've seen them about five or six times. And if you go see them perform, especially now, cause they're like sweet old men. Um, the audience is one of the most friendly audiences you'll ever encounter in any kind of music. Um, you got everybody from old goths to punk rockers, to, to metal heads, to, to, you know, to the rockabilly greaser dudes, to Rastafarians, they draw everybody in the vibe in there. You can just look around while you're dancing and everybody's happy. It's one of the most happy environments you'll ever be. If you ever go see the orb live and to see these two guys, I mean, now they're, they're just, they're adorable. I don't know. There's two like smiley, happy guys creating these incredible textures. I, I love the orb. They make me really happy. And that song's beautiful. It's lush. It's, and it's got the beat. It's what I love about dance music. That song right there. Well, before we go on to the next track, just just as you, you know, you spoke about your sort of formative years and getting to you know getting to the you know the age where you're clubbing and such. Like, um, you've you've gone on to to have an incredible career uh, in a a famously difficult industry to achieve the level of success that you've achieved. Mm. So, I'm going to ask you two questions, Jesse. Would you say you're confident, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen you on stage, I've seen what you could do and it's, it, it chucks confidence off the stage, but I'm just asking, are you a confident person and are you driven? I am absolutely driven uh, and I'm confident enough, but uh, I definitely battle with uh, imposter syndrome and self-doubt on a pretty regular basis I think it goes par for the course with having, you know, struggling with mental illnesses most of my life, anxiety, depression. But the more I've gotten to know myself and how I am and what triggers me, I've been able to navigate it pretty well. You know, my girlfriend's probably the only one that sees the cracks, you know, in my moments of self-doubt. And you mentioned my success, you know, um, my success has much to do with the people that I've worked with, excuse me, and Killswitch, you know, you can't argue the fact that that band built a massive legacy with me not even being in the picture for a while there. So I feel like there's a part of me that's still is standing on the shoulders of giants in, in many aspects. I think because of that, it causes a bit of self-doubt. But because of that, it keeps my fire burning and makes me want to get better and pushes me. So 
some of that self-doubt is part of my inspiration to get better and to continue to push to do more and to develop better as a singer and a songwriter. So I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I do battle with those things, but they're also my muse. You know, my, my own, I am my own worst enemy, but I definitely use that to my advantage. And that's just from years of getting to know who I am and sort of sharpening my tools on how to handle my crazy artistic brain. I think imposter syndrome that you mentioned there, I I think that's something that that will never go away for anybody. I think you can be, I don't know, the most famous person on the planet that everybody thinks is the greatest person that, you know, walks the earth, but they will still walk into a room and I'm sure they will feel uncomfortable in the presence of whoever or feel like, oh my God, am I, do I deserve that? And I I just think that the imposter syndrome, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I, I, I think it can it's be a, humble. Yeah, completely. And and can push that drive. Yeah, I think it, you know, it can either do that or in some cases make you a cocky piece of shit son of a bitch because you're masking, you're trying to cover the fact that you yeah. actually are insecure. So I've met huge rock stars. I've been in the same room the same room as huge rock stars and just been like, fuck you. You are such a dick. Like, yeah, I can tell you're feeling insecure. I can tell by the body language and instead of it manifesting into humility and making friends and making people feel comfortable in the room, they blow the whole thing up and make everybody feel like shit. Like, I hate that. And thankfully, that's a douche move. It's, man, so douche. it's so douche. And yeah, I've been on these massive festivals and like, you know, there's one artist in particular walked in the room and like complained and had security clear the backstage area where everyone was hanging out and having a drink, like one of those things. And it's like, I knew you, I, you can see that that person was insecure. It's like, uh, I, I almost felt bad for him too. I was pissed, but I was also like, oh, you must be super fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> but it can manifest that way too. You know, that I think a lot of the, the cockiness and, you know, shit that quote-unquote rock stars do is because we all are definitely deep down inside feeling insecure for sure (laughs) well i'm gonna take you home for track six jesse and i'm gonna ask you for a favorite song from an artist from your home county please oh what did i choose let me tell you let me tell you did i choose new york or rhode island i'm curious kilgore ah yeah rhode island's finest so this band kilgore they used to be called kilgore smudge it was the first, first show, um, underground, you know, small club, a club called Club Babyhead in Providence, Rhode Island, which was kind of the CBGBs of my youth. Um, the first show I ever went to, they played. And the singer just, he looked sort of like Jesus on stage with the beard. And he actually had a cap on, but this hair sticking out. Big tall guy, Jay Burnt. Um, and the band mixed, I don't know, I was just getting into... Faith No More's Angel Dust was kind of my Bible at the time. And they had just enough Faith No More in them. But it was a mixture of like early helmet with like Faith No More, like that alternative but borderline metal, kind of hardcore. And they blew me away. I remember it was the first time I ever jumped in a real pit with like skinheads and punks and like rockers all in one. And that's the thing too. Their audience wasn't just one type of audience. They drew different types of people because they were one of the bigger bands from that area. And they eventually went on. They were the first band to break out of Providence and actually do Ozfest and become like a signed to a major label and put out like a a record that had like a two hundred thousand dollar budget to it. Um, and I uh, befriended the singer years after they broke up, and he sort of got into like more rockabilly Johnny Cash kind of stuff. He had a group called the Revival Preachers, which you can find on uh, Spotify. They just released it recently. Brilliant record, really good stuff. But uh, that guy's awesome. And seeing his journey from like becoming this big rock star in my eyes as a kid, seeing his band get better, because I would follow them around show after show. They would just get better and better and better. And when they finally broke out and went on tour and became this thing, and he walked away from it all. And he, I remember seeing him at like a local uh, drugstore coming out with his girlfriend. And it was like, oh, the, rock, the local rock star is here. And seeing him and hearing that he'd quit his band and just wanted to be a normal guy again. There's so much about that band and that guy, Jay, and I still talk to him to this day, that really impressed me about you know, what it means to be an artist and what success can do to you. It can either make or break you. And he decided to just walk away from it all. 
And little did I know I would mimic that same exact trajectory in my own career with Kill Switch, you know, getting to the uh, where we were starting to blow up. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want this. I'm, I'm feeling like out of my element. You want to talk about imposter syndrome? Man, I had a lot of it back then. So, um, yeah, there's, in so many ways that Ben Kilgore just was sort of a benchmark when I was a kid of like, wow, we could get to that point where we would do Ozfest. And I actually even ended up trying out for them when Jay left, which is hysterical. And I went in there with all kinds of piss and vinegar and anger. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the new singer. And those guys are like, can you sing more? I'm like, ah, I can try. I don't really know how to do the singing thing. And I, I didn't get the job, but, um, that kind of sparked me to start singing melodically, trying out for that band. So they were the first band I ever went to see. And then they just became an inspiration even after they broke up, there was just something about that band, the legacy. And we all talked about in the music scene. Oh, yeah, remember what happened to Kilgore? And then, yeah, that record, they put out one record as the name Kilgore. But if you go back, I don't think they have it on social media or, or digital, rather. But it was a band called Kilgore Smudge, cassette tapes. Just, mm. Yeah. And their lyrics are very much about blue collar stuff. So it was like almost like a, you know, like that blue collar element to it, that punk rock sort of street punk thing. Sure. But they sounded like a metal hardcore hybrid. So very interesting band. Yeah. Love those dudes. And Jay burnt to this day is a dear friend of mine. Love that guy. Well, for your last track, Jesse, you get to play DJ and turn someone onto something new. And, uh, and for track seven, I'm going to ask you to tell me a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Did I write that down or no? Uh, you went, you threw the cure straight in for this one. Did I? <laughs> Was it disin- disintegration? Was that what that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've already talked about that, so I guess definitely listen to that. That song is incredible. I think I think I might have said enough about it at the top of the hour. Um, so let me pick some. Can, can we just talk about the production? On, on, oh yeah. On, I, mean, I don't want to sound like muso wanker because I'm going to keep <laughs> it. I'm going to keep it really straightforward. And I'm a huge Cure fan. Yeah. Uh, and but that record. There's something about that production sound on that record that's that's heavy, and and, yeah. and I don't mean heavy as in metal heavy. I mean as in it's weighty. It 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 feels heavy on your head when you hear the thickness of disintegration. The album, yeah. I just think I, I think it's a masterpiece. It's, yeah, it's my it's favorite not, Cure record. It's not a bad, yeah, hands down. There's not a bad song on that record, and I agree completely with that. Uh, a piece of music that will take you out of your element and just throw you into Robert Smith's world. And what an interesting, I mean, the way I describe it to people too, sometimes is like taking like an early Tim Burton movie. Like he just, it feels like you're in the soundtrack to a really dark sort of romantic Gothic movie. Like, you know, Tim Burton just comes to mind and uh, yeah, magic. It, there's a magic to it. And you know, it's interesting if you, you read up on that record and I was always very fascinated. Like, what was going through his mind? Who was Robert Smith when they made this? And he was on record being on acid the entire time. He was lit. That album is fueled by psychedelics. And I think I that, never knew that. I think that plays a big role in why that, that record sounds the way it does. Uh, he was just, depressed and the way he dealt with his depression was to take tabs of acid so that might be part of it but yeah just artistic too right it just uh yeah how do you even put it to words you can't it, there's a feeling behind it really and it, i even just thinking about it right now it makes me slightly sad because there is such a lingering sadness throughout all that stuff prayers for rain i mean whoa <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's anyone that's—it's like, oh my god! Uh. <laughs> and I mean, if you're having a, if you're you're halfway through a breakup when you're listening to this this podcast, do not reach for that record. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's not what you need. You do not need to be listening to pictures of you right now. It's yeah. uh, oh, that will break you in half. <laughs> you could do a whole show on that, but I it it's it stops me. Like I'm a pretty fairly descriptive, talkative person when it comes to music, but. I'm at a loss for words when you talk about that record because there's just something about it. You can't. I have so many memories attached to it, and then you know, just the sheer poetic nature of the lyrics and the way he describes certain things. You know, talking about pale skin, being in the rain. Um, I, 
it's yeah it's a masterpiece really and if you're listening to this and you have never listened to that record oh my god i envy you on the first listen of that album if you're in the right state of mind you can listen to it from start to finish it's it'll just change the whole way you see music period that's the way i see it even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You kind of led me to believe you was going to throw a different one in there because we had touched upon the cure. Was there something else you wanted to throw in there? Jesse? I was going to throw in because we actually talked about um, a bunch of great bands the other day. And they have just been nonstop on my lips for some reason. And I've been horror, H O nine nine oh nine. I can't stop listening to them. There's something about the energy that they put out that, you know, if I hear anyone talking about music, um, you know, I don't really get out much uh, anymore these days. But just in general, when I first started listening to that band, any of my friends or peers, or even at a bar, if I heard someone talking about music, I would like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell these people about this band because it's so good. And nine times out of 10, people are just like, no, nah, I never heard of them. What? And I'll, I literally back in the day, you know, when we, when we could go to pubs and be elbow to elbow, I'd pull out my phone and be like, check this shit out. And everyone was like, Whoa, how cool is that? What are they doing? I'm like, I don't know, but it's really good. Right. Yeah. So I have just been on a kick with them lately in my car, just driving around and they fit different moods. Cause there's just, grimy dark hip-hop with punk rock and and there's like there's a street to it there's this grimy like i don't know man like the one of the lines is like in on their not their most recent record because they've been putting out a lot of music this this year alone they put out i think like two two albums two eps um oh, what the hell's the name of that song i think it's called trench coat where he's like you might end up on the news if you come round here. Just it's this thuggy like, don't fuck with our hood. But then in the same breath, they're like talking about how war is hell, and there's like a whole political punk side to them. It's they just they're a good hybrid of everything I like about punk, hip hop, and electronic music. They got it all for me. It's not easy to kind of in in this day and age to come out with something that's quite hard to pigeonhole, and they've nailed it because they are. It's just all over the place, isn't yeah, it? it? Is. It's just it's they're just they're pulling from everywhere and throwing it in, and what comes out is fucking incredible and live. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. And, and being around those dudes, you know, the I don't give a fuck attitude is real. They're not putting it on for anybody. They're literally just like, this is what we do. And I'm like, that's the coolest shit ever because <laughs> it's not posturing. They legitimately don't give a fuck what you think about them. I love that. <laughs> They don't really feel they have much imposter syndrome in their blood, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> they might. I haven't smelled an ounce of it of being around those dudes. Well, Jesse, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to all of the records that, that you've chose. Love it. And uh, can go and get stuck into that. Um, we're recording this um, as we start to get towards the end of March and and, and getting well underway into a a year where we're hoping he's going to end with, you know, more positivity and connection and, and mm. opportunities to, to love and hug the people that you haven't been able to see. As 2021 gathers pace, Jesse, what are you looking forward to personally and what's happening professionally? Um, I'm looking forward to simple things. And I think my perspective shift is such where the little things that I took for granted before all this, I now I'm going to 
embody and cherish more than anything. You know, even just sitting in an airport waiting for my flight to go on tour, which was usually a very miserable sort of like, ugh, I hate airports. I can't stand this shit. I'm going to enjoy that first flight <laughs> when I'm getting ready to meet the boys and join the, the tour. That's going to be all kinds of emotional for me. Um, and I probably still fucking hate airports, but there's going to be a moment there. I'm like, I'm going to get teary eyed and be like, Holy shit, we're doing this again. This is crazy. Um, just having a nice dinner with a bunch of people. Like I want my house filled with people. I want laughter. I want spilled drinks. I want all this shit that like I just miss. And it's funny because Prior to all this, I was a bit of a hermit. You know, I come off tour exhausted. I'm like, people would want to get in touch with me, come and hang out. I'm like, ah, oh, I just don't have the wherewithal, or oh, I'm going to take all all the social things that I get invited to. I'm there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to give everyone a hug. I'm going to tell them how much I love them. All the shit I never said to people, I'm going to say it to their face. Like all that little stuff. I can't wait for that. As far as professionally. There are plans, but I hesitate to even speak on them because, you know, for my own sake and for the fans' sake, you know, I'm just going to ride it out and see what actually happens because we are planning for something in the fall, but there's no guarantee because even if the world, quote unquote, is open, the phases that we go through, the amount of money and logistics you're going to have to have to play half capacity places or whatever the rules are going to be that are in place. There's no guarantee a band like mine can afford that. If you're a band like the Rolling Stones, they could do whatever the hell they want, depending on who goes and how much you sell for a ticket. We're a really specific sort of, you know, not low tier, not high tier. Like a lot of these bands are sort of like working class bands that make a decent wage. We're going to have a really hard time navigating. I think all the restrictions and rules so if it all boils down to us waiting till 2022, so be it, I'm ready for that. That's kind of the mindset I have is waiting till it's logical, waiting till people are comfortable with it. And if it doesn't happen this year, so be it. If it does, holy shit, it's going to be even more fun because I'm not even anticipating it. You got a podcast, right? What's that? You got a podcast, right? I, Let's talk about it. I do now. <laughs> Uh, after being a, a very avid podcast listener, you know, sometimes you know, we're talking about music so much, but there is a good chunk of my time that I don't even have music on. I'm listening to podcasts. I love the sound of somebody's voice or a good conversation happening while I'm working on something. I love that. It just does something so different for me than music does. And I'm picky. I'm super picky with like people's cadence, their voice, the, the, the topics. Like, so Having been a big fan, um, one of the podcasts I love to listen to is Life in the Stocks with Matt Stocks. He does great, I would say, interviews, but they're, they are conversations. He's just got this way about him where he can take somebody. and He's, he's talked to a lot of really interesting people, and he is able to navigate all of them in his own special way because he really listens to you. He lets you speak. He does his research, and then he will thoughtfully respond with either a way to continue on the thought you're talking about or shift you gently into another direction. So instead of him asking you like a question he's got on paper, he has this way to craft the, the talk into getting you to talk about these things. And because of that, people go deep with him. And I love that about him. So I've been a fan of his for a while. I've been a guest on his show a few times. And he pitched me the idea of like, hey, you know, let's do a podcast together. I think you and I have a good chemistry. We could do something cool with this. And the reference he gave me was Joe Strummer from The Clash doing his, you know, round the fire talks and, you know, the, the, at the Glastonbury Festival and, and on the documentary about him. I remember watching that and people paying tribute to him around the fire and just this emotional thing where he was, he just wanted so much to connect with people. And all the stories I've ever heard of my punk rock friends hanging out with him in the East Village in New York City, he was that guy. He didn't care who he was. He just wanted to hang out and have a beer and talk music. And he was all about all different kinds of culture and all different kinds of music. So he was kind of the, the inspiration that Matt used his name and was like, I was like, you got my attention. Now what? So between the inspiration behind it, Matt Stocks being a co-host, and then my idea of, of like, wanting to really connect with other people, especially during this time of such disharmonious, you know, disconnection. Uh, I wanted this podcast to very much be 
a place where we could find a common ground and be more in touch with humanity, the human side of things, because we are so much more similar and alike than we are different, regardless of where you stand politically or religiously. And I'm more interested in the things that connect us as opposed to what separates us. So we have made a pact together that we will steer clear of like any stuff that's going to divide people. We don't want to talk about, you know, the negative stuff of the coronavirus thing. We don't want to talk about your politics left or right. We don't want polarizing things to happen. We don't want hate speech, none of that. But we're not going to be sort of hard-nosed about it. We're going to just gently keep this podcast sort of a place where people can come and just talk about their experiences. And it's not just going to be one topic. You know, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. I think the general idea is like, what what would you talk about when you sit around a fire with a bunch of friends? And I love that idea because those are often the best conversations where you're having a, yeah. a drink or whatever, or a smoke, and you're just talking about stuff. Like that's the forum we want to sort of bring. And that's why we call it Stoke the Fire. Lovely. And people can find that where, Jesse? Everywhere. Um, so we're, you know, we're all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. And we're connected to Gas Digital Media, gasdigital.com. Uh, you can go on there, and there's a bunch. We have uh, friends on there as well. Jamie Josta from Hatebreed. Uh, Rob Frim from Machine Head has their own show. So we're kind of in that cool company of musicians that are doing podcasts. Uh, and then, um, yeah, we, we do our best to keep up on the socials. And we're inviting listeners in to be guests and to pose questions. And we have an email. It's uh, stokethefirepod at gmail.com where you can give your ideas, your questions, or maybe have a, a cool guest you think that we should know about. And that interaction has been really cool because it's keeping us connected to the people that are our audience, the people that are going to continue to drive this show. And I think that's what's different about what we're doing too, is we're really welcoming people in to sit around the fire with us. Wonderful. Jesse, like, I know the podcast is going to be great. Matt's incredible and it's been, uh, you know, over the last sort of week, I've, I've, I've got to sit and have two long conversations with you, and it's been an absolute joy. Um, oh, thanks, man. Likewise. Be- best of luck with the podcast. And, and yeah, thanks so much for your time today, Jesse. Yeah, man. When the world gets back to where it is and I'm over there, we are definitely going to hang out for a bit somewhere at a pub. Yeah, man. Right, we'll figure it definitely. out. Definitely. <laughs> we'll drink some, we'll, we'll have a beer and we'll, uh, we'll play some obscure shoe guys from 1992. Yes. We'll take over the, <laughs> we are, and we'll make it happen. All right. Man. Take it easy, Jesse. You, Thanks loads, brother. Bye. There you go. Oh, do you know what? There's just some people when you start talking to them, their voice just uh, like sounds just incredible like jesse's voice coming through my headphones when i was recording that um was was it was just so warm and and the fact that it's also really really smart what he's saying just makes it a really really you know lovely chat to have and uh so yeah with that in mind you know what more of a a heads up do you need to uh to go and check out their podcast go and go and get stuck in um and yeah, so thanks again to Jesse. Thanks once more to Matt. Um, thanks to you lot for continuing to to get behind this podcast and and grow it and and support it. And when you see it on the socials, you you engage, which is lovely. You ask me questions, you share it, you like it, you tweet it, and all of that stuff. So so thanks to you lot. I really really appreciate that. Um, like I say at the beginning, uh, go and have a look in the archives. I mentioned some of the bands that you can hear me talking to. It's not just bands. I talk to actors um, and producers and DJs. You can hear me talking to Butch Vig. You can hear me talking to Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, um, gosh, James Acaster, Ed Gamble. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's, there's all manner of amazing creative people having some... Uh, some delicious chats and so go and get stuck in i'll see you next time uh, stay safe lovely people i'll see you soon bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah that's right go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale you're gonna love it so they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. 
And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It's me, Stu Whipping. Eat a pocket.